Estamos aquí en el café tropical. Acabamos de regresar de un viaje a Bogotá, Colombia. Our plan was to spend some time in Bogotá, then we went to Santa Marta, where we did a, uh, a guided hike, 40 kilometer round trip hike to Ciudad Perdida, which is uh, the lost city, which is a uh, an indigenous um, city that was abandoned in the 1500s when the Spanish invaded and killed off a bunch of people. Um, that city was abandoned and the jungle grew and and it was only recently discovered in the 1970s. So there's a, a hiking trail that, that leads to it and it, it's an amazing, amazing adventure. If anybody has a chance to do that, they should before, uh, before civilization creeps in and and builds a road to it because there's no way to drive to it you have to hike and it's it's pretty intense you didn't just then stick to strictly bikes right right we did bikes for the first seven days we did like a a stay in bogota we wanted to do ciclovia and experience that the birthplace of ciclovia which we did and it was extremely fun and um we couch surfed so Yeah, um, Ciclovia was awesome in Bogota. Um, it was, you know, surprisingly similar, I thought, to uh, Ciclavia here in L.A. Um, there were a lot of people out, and um, it wasn't just people on bikes. There were people skating and walking their dogs and out with their kids. And you had some more serious riders and then just some recreational riders. And uh, I guess it went from 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. And it wasn't a straight line. They had, you know, they had a route that kind of looped around and um, I'm not it sure. It had a lot of legs to it. Yeah, it had a lot of legs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not the main route, but different routes that you can take? Yeah, it wasn't just a straight line. And it was, it was a... I mean, I didn't look at a map, but as far as I understand, there's something like 80 kilometers of streets are closed, which, uh, I mean, there was a long stretch of uh, Carrera Siete, yeah, that was uh, closed down, but then we dipped down to Carrera Ten, and one of the one of the fun things about it was a lot of the, the street vendors that are along the route, including where we stopped, we stopped at a at a juice I guess would you call it juice it was like pretty much big chunks of fresh fruit fresh fruit and then there was a whole team just like banging away at, at oranges papayas watermelon everything and just dumping it into this big bucket and they put it in your cup and it was no sugar added it was so sweet it's so delicious the Colombians they have um, a lot of you know fruits in that region that just fruits that we've never even heard of that, that were there that was so delicious and they, they pride themselves on fresh fruit and everywhere you go you can get you know fresh fruit squeezed and it's absolutely delicious and the fresh fruit stand had a really long line right next to it was um, a small stand selling soda and there wasn't a single person buying yeah. That was totally awesome. We were it's a good illustration of, of good quality juice yeah. and, 
edibles are, and there was that guy with the stand literally right next to the juice stand, and nobody was there. He was selling, like, Gatorade and soda. Siglavia was started in Bogota 30 years ago, and it's just still every Sunday. Yeah, every Sunday, and it was full of people, you know. Full of people. Doggies, too. (laughs) Do you think that that'll happen here, where it'll be every Sunday? I would imagine... It would be nice to know that when, you know, because then you never have to ask, when is it? Yeah, I'm curious. Um, what's interesting about that situation is is that, uh, like, I want to see Ciclovia happen every Sunday here. Um, I didn't see a ton of people riding bikes other than Ciclovia. So I kind of started to wonder, like, is it considered to be the bike holiday? And that's the time you ride your bike? You know, rather than teaching people you should be riding your bike every day. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I expected to see a lot more people on bikes in Bogota. Did you have bikes? We had bikes. We had rental bikes. We borrowed bikes. And I bought a bike. And (laughs) somehow I ended up buying a bike for 75 bucks that was not worth 75 bucks. And it was too small, and um, so I gave it to our our couch surfer host, and he was stoked. So he'd never had a bike in Bogota, so hopefully he'll, he'll get some good use out of it. Buying a bike for how many days? Well, we planned to be there for 15 days. But things kind of... The climate in Bogota... It's a little. It's it's a developing country, so things were things were a little bit shaky in terms of security. So that that started to become a concern for us because our our apartment we discovered. Well, it was actually in the middle of this alley, and everything was nice leading up to our apartment, and our apartment was totally secure. And uh, we were on the fifth floor, and there was everything was safe about the apartment and the street leading up to it. There was a bank. It was it was it was good. It's just that right next door was a shanty town, and and the shanty town was kind of wedged in between these two nice areas. And our couch surfer mate was was just saying, "Don't go up the alley," and we didn't. But you know, like. As the days, uh, a couple days in, some girls got robbed in front of the apartment during the daylight. Uh, our friends got robbed uh, not far from there, and you know there's a there's a ton of taxis out there, but and they're cheap and they're everywhere, but um, which is great, except that if you're not safe about calling a taxi, it's possible for people to get kidnapped. They call it the millionaire's ride right mm-hmm. where they kidnap you and take you drive you around to an ATM and they you know force you to empty your bank account as much as you can and take your money and so that was scary so it just we you know after 7 days we we kind of decided we had enough and uh, I was being really like overly cautious I mean really cautious I won't call it overly cautious that was we were cautious because the last thing I wanted to see was something happen to Catherine you know and 
So we would, we'd take a taxi to the apartment. We'd take a taxi from the apartment. And that kind of thing was in the air. So we left. We left for Santa Marta. And our original plans was to come back to Bogota, but we decided to instead go to Cartagena and fly out from there. Or, yeah. yeah. So is this... Uh, Midnight Riders, you guys take trips to other places. You want to talk, tell me about that? We do. Every New Year, um, for the last few years, we've been taking trips to different cities to explore on bikes. We did um, New Orleans one year. And I shouldn't say just on New Year's. It's whenever somebody decides to hit a city, people will swarm there and will group up and ride. So we did Bogota this year, New Orleans. How does that have the swarm decision get made? It's usually um, somebody chirps about it, and if enough people decide it's a good idea, it gains momentum and it becomes a trip. So you guys are like the ultimate uh, like anarchy organization, huh? <laughs> I guess so, in some ways. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like there is no structure until there's a structure. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how it happened this time. Although I wish... My only wish was that we would have publicized it a little bit more. We had about 10 people out there, but usually we get about 30, 30 to 40. You're talking about the New Orleans trip? New Orleans trip was about 35 people. Yeah, and what's great about that is um, when you have 35 people swarming into an area, you can call you can call a Midnight Riders ride, and you have already enough people to have a a good Midnight Riders ride, but you also have a lot of ideas on adventures to have, and the group can split up. It doesn't have to stay together. This time around, we kind of had to stay together because the security situation was was pretty iffy. So, um... Is this your first trip with the Riders? Yeah, it was my first trip. Um, and it was a lot of fun. You know, Bogota... It turned out to be pretty difficult to get bikes there. Um, So, like, we tried renting bikes, but they really weren't in um, good condition, and they weren't very fun to ride. Um, So we didn't do as much riding as we had probably originally planned to, but we did do um, a Bogota um, city tour on bike through um, Bogota Bike Tours, and the owner is a gringo named Mike, and he used to live in San Francisco. And then he moved to Bogota and started up this company. And um, it was really fun. Um, we had a guide, and we did a private tour because there were about ten of us. And we ended up spending about nine hours just the whole day with this guy going all over the city um, shopping for food and just exploring, talking to locals, taking photos. So that was definitely one of the highlights. Yeah, that was awesome. We even went, you know, as a group, you can go through some pretty sketchy areas. And we ended up going through the red light district, which was an, a very sketchy area. But because there was a group of us, it was safer and um, it was just really interesting. Mike, Mike of Mike's Bikes is awesome, and his guide Mauricio was the one who led us around and told us the history of pretty much every building we came to. Like, it was great. And he, he brought us to the government buildings, and he also we went to the plaza, 
I forget what the name of the plaza is. Yeah. Maybe it's like the... Simone Bolivar. Yeah, probably the Simone Bolivar Plaza. And there was an Occupy encampment there. There was an M16 or M19 encampment. And M19 is a FARC-related resistance movement, from what I understand. And uh, they had a camp there, and he was telling us kind of the history of of Colombia in terms of, you know, there's like a revolution every 10, 15 years, or a coup, or, you know, it was starting to get confusing, everything, but there's generally a lot of unrest in Colombia, which, you know, I'm sure uh, involves the United States in some way, the United States support of the Colombian military, um, and the resistance towards, you know, communist and left-wing forces like the FARC and all of that stuff, it's all happening, and it, it, it makes you, it makes you kind of thankful when you get back to the United States, it makes you actually very thankful to have the stability that we have, because over there, it's, the stability just doesn't really exist, you know, it's, it's there, but it's, it's shaky, and, uh, it's just interesting, it's like, everybody should, everybody should travel to a developing country, and, and see it, you know, and experience it, everybody from the United States (laughs) should. Like, uh, the mayor was getting ousted while we were visiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a big scandal. Yeah, the mayor was supposed to be out December 31st. So we were wondering about that. Um, the, the police there are part of the military. They're not a civilian force. They're a military force. So that was interesting. And the police there are young. You know, most of the police officers we saw were probably, what, 20 years old? Yeah, early 20s. And it looked like, like I was telling Catherine, it's like one of our LAPD cops could probably put seven of those guys in a headlock (laughs) and, like, twist their heads off. They were like, they weren't, it, it wasn't like I felt like even if we did get mugged, like, we would be protected. Like, when our friends got mugged, there were five cops there, and it was like, are they going to actually go into the shantytown right now? Because they don't look like they're tough enough to go in there, you know, other than the fact that they had guns. So, I don't know, it was just interesting. And, and the police, the way that Columbia does things is guns are actually outlawed, so they consider all guns to be property of the state. So, most of the time, the crooks are going to have a knife when they rob you, you know, from what I understand. Well, um, so, what, what's, what's coming up with the future with uh, Midnight Riders? What, more developing countries, or uh, what, just the Tuesday? What night are you? What's that? What night is the Wolfpack Hustle? Wolfpack Hustle is supposed to be happening Monday nights. I'm not sure that it's happening anymore because um, I haven't been riding it. But um, Tang's Donuts closed, which is very sad. That's a huge blow, you know? Huge. I mean, what's going to exist there now? We should start a bike shop there. A donut slash bike shop. Gourmet donuts and bikes. 
they have some they have like hybrid bike shops where they are, like coffee. Yeah. It should be coffee, donuts and bikes. And if you could get a liquor license you could sell beer. <laughs> um, but uh, so then what? What what do we look forward to? There's a 10-year anniversary for Midnight Riders in February. Um, there's Salt and Sea. And there's also the Marathon Crash Race on March 9th. Seems like we just had that. But, yeah, the Marathon. Yeah. So Wolfpack Hustle will be kicking off the Unified Title Series 2014. Um, we're calling it the Urban Cycling World Championship. You know... Yeah, that's right. We declared the world championship. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's we'll see what happens. It's Last year we had about three, 4,000 racers. It's getting to the point where it's as professional as any ride out there, right? But with a bunch of, you know, amateurs. Like... <laughs> well, um, our series was professional. I mean, it was, we did have presentation sponsors. Um we were working with a shoestring budget, but we did uh, pull off a pretty awesome series, and it got a lot of attention, and uh, it was very competitive. Our champion uh, was declared champions. We have a, a men and women category, so we had Joe Celso, who's a Wolfpack Hustle Team A rider, uh, win the championship, and on the men's side, we had Edgar Willow Juarez, uh, Long Beach Compton favorite, um, local. He's he's a local and he's a. You said the dog tags. The dog tags have to stay in L.A. I say that because I want people to come here and take them from us, and they they so far they've kind of taken them from us. Arizona State Bikes team has taken them probably the most. It's a great group of of riders, so we hope to see them again uh, this year. When is this going to be televised? That's what I'm talking about. Like, we did actually get a race televised. We had two bonus races in 2013. The city of Huntington Park paid for um, everything uh, for us to do a race in Huntington Park, and that turned out to be awesome. And we also had a race during the L.A. Grand Prix at the Carson Velodrome which was a UCI international race, and they gave us the track to use for um, our first-ever track race. And I came up with a format that was never before attempted because the technology just wasn't available, but we've done, we did a, a race format called the All Out War format in which every rider gets points every lap it's definitely a, a war, an all-out war, because if you're not staying in the front the whole time, you're losing points to somebody else who is, and that's that's the fun of that race. So we did it, and um, I don't know where I was ta- what I was talking about, but that race, um, yeah, that race was televised on Universal Sports. I forgot that's the whole point, but that race was televised. So I'm hoping to get the feed from Universal Sports, because I'd love to see it, and to see how it looked. Alright, well maybe somebody out there wants to make a deal with uh, Midnight Riders for televising the, the um, <laughs> Marathon Crash Race this time. Well, it would have to be with Wolfpack Hustle. 
but um, there is a company that I'm talking to that does live web streaming, and it's possible to do live web streaming from a mobile, um, like a vehicle. So I'd love to be able to do a live stream of the race at 4 a.m. in the morning because when 4 a.m. for us is the afternoon or evening in Europe. I'd love to get Europe in and seeing this race, you know, and wanting to have one happen out there. Well, well this might be a step in establishing a worldwide network of events like this. I went to Berlin in 2013 to uh, to talk to some folks out there about bringing Wolfpack Hustle to Berlin, and there were people there that knew about Wolfpack Hustle and that that are ready to work with us. It's just a matter of finding the the right sponsors who will put the money down for it. Um, there's there's one in uh, the Bay Area, right? There is a Wolfpack Hustle in the Bay Area. There's one in San Diego. There's one in St. Louis, and there's also a group in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. They call themselves the Josie Hustle. They're loosely affiliated with us. They definitely took inspiration from us and and communicate with us, Um, although I wouldn't necessarily call them an official chapter, but um, I'd love to go out there and ride with those guys. Um, okay, so are you competitive with the people who are, like, winning these races? No, there's no way, right? I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry. Did I race? Can you, yeah, I mean, are you, like, you wouldn't be at the front of one of these, like... No, uh, not, a, not even close. <laughs> That's, that was something that kind of became an issue with the Monday Night Rides. I did the Monday Night Rides. I led them for five years straight, every week. And I had a serious crash in 2009 that um, kind of if you stumble off that ride it's hard to get back on I got back on and then I had a crash in 2011 where I was knocked out for 30 hours woke up in the hospital and uh, never really recovered onto the the wolf pack ride I had cracked ribs a split liver and a, a concussion and I just just couldn't get back on and Fabian uh, Fabian Vazquez took over and led the ride and did a really amazing shit. And I was just like, you know, it's it just becomes really difficult to lead a ride when you're not as fast as these young whippersnappers that blast like Fabian and some of the other guys. So it's in their hands. Are there, are there any other rides in L.A. that are like this intense? There's actually a fast-paced ride every single day in L.A. It's I've noticed on the calendar that, I mean, there's traffickers, there's bicyclers, there's, uh, what is that one, cyclones, there's um, uh, 626 raccoons, there's, like, what was that one ride we ran into? Oh, yeah, night cats. Night, night cats. There's... Cushtown. So the wolf pack ran into the night cats? Um, well, me and Catherine on our tandem ran into night cats. <laughs> we were just like, what ride is this? And they're all night cats. <laughs> like, dope. You know, there's, there's, uh, you know, when we first started, there wasn't any other fast paced ride. And now that, now that there's one every week, it, every day, it's kind of dope. Kind of like that movie, The Warriors. <laughs> yeah. 
We had a warrior's ride. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did it involve other actual bike groups, or was it, like, made up? At the time, it was it was a uh, it was a hide and go seek. It was a game of hide and go seek for midnight riders. We set up four start points. We set up a boundary of like four square miles, and there was a group which was the Warriors, which was a group that was led by me, that would ride through this boundary area. And the job of everybody else was to find us and join us if they could. And uh, it turned into one of the funnest rides I've ever been on where people dressed up like the Warriors they dressed up like the different gangs we saw guys in baseball outfits and this and that and uh, they'd see us and they'd be like oh and they'd like chase us and join our group and then we'd turn a corner and all of a sudden down Fairfax it was like 200 riders and they realized that that we were the ones they were supposed to catch up to and so then we ducked into the neighborhood and it was really fun yeah Right, what's all this going to turn into? I mean, uh, not not that it has to, of course, or that it should, but it seems almost like it's evolving. Do you have any idea? I think the way it's... I think what I've seen happen over the years is that the rides... The riders have gotten really young, you know? So we started out as, like, some 20-somethings and 30-somethings, and... Uh, now it's like teenagers and 20-somethings and you know hopefully like from what I've seen happen is people join up on the the group rides they realize that riding around in the city is easy and it's it's fun and they they feel more comfortable about it and they kind of get over the group ride thing and they just spin off into their own riding you know be it from to the coffee shop or whatever it is that they do, they ride on their own, and then other people sort of take over and, and create the rides, and they're excited about doing the group rides. And, you know, just hopefully, hopefully it keeps going. You know, hopefully the younger generation's leaders will emerge and, and uh, keep it going. If not, then uh, maybe everybody will get on segways. <laughs> And that was a, and so, can we end there? Can that possibly be the end? Don't end on segues, please. Segways suck. Segway is a transition. Segway to something else. Oh, what can we segue into so that we don't talk about how stupid segways are? You know the segue? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Maybe, I see a lot of... Oh, well, yeah, we could talk about graffiti in Bogota. No, I, I just think that um, the only way we can go is if people choose other forms of transportation than cars. So I, I just don't think there's any other future but uh, like a bike, a more bike-friendly L.A. It's just you can't, just driving over here, we drove over here. One car was broken down on Sunset, and it caused a jam up all the way back to my office. I mean, it was ridiculous, so you just can't go on that way. Do you think we have a bike-friendly city government now? No. I think that Eric Garcetti is actually a fake bike advocate. Yep, that's right. And his his right-hand man, Mitch Englander, I mean, uh, no, Mitch Englander, I actually like Mitch Englander, even though he's probably not that bike-friendly either, but... Mitch O'Farrell, 
I'm not I'm not convinced that he's bike friendly. I don't think he totally gets it. You know, we've we've butted heads over this Hyperion Bridge thing, and you know, having him tell us that this little bridge that he created over the river is supposed to satisfy our needs um, just indicates to me that he doesn't get the issues. And I'm not seeing Eric Garcetti, Garcetti take the kind of risks and initiative that um, Viragosa took. Viragosa, as much as the media disliked him, he did so much for our city by pushing through the, the train, the rail system, and pushing the LADOT to put in bike infrastructure. Um, he, he, I just don't see that happening with Garcetti. Like, Viragosa had some serious boleros. Or bolas. Is it bolas or boleros? We're trying to remember. I thought it was uh, a different word completely. Huevos. Huevos. He really did have some balls to, to uh, push for bike infrastructure. And not only that, I've been paying attention to the little nitty-gritty. The LADOT, the, the inside engineers that, that hate it, they basically hate pedestrians and, and bike riders. Um, they erase crosswalks. Viragosa put in Jaime de la Vega as the director, and that guy doubled, tripled the amount of bike infrastructure that was being put in to the point where the LADOT revolted. They actually went to City Hall and revolted against Jaime de la Vega and got him out, got him taken out, yeah. And Eric Garcetti was just, a, like, he had a chance to put in somebody, a visionary like like uh, Sadiq Khan, who just, who just uh, retired from New York and transforming New York. He could have got her? He could have got her. He could have got um, Chicago's uh, head of DOT. I forget his name, but... There were so many people that he could have put in um, that would have continued the vision, and he didn't. He put in the head of Parks and Recs, and the, the, the department's sitting in limbo right now. Nothing's getting done. It's strange to me because did you ever hear the interview that Bike Talk did with Garcetti? Probably not. No, I haven't. Because he was so knowledgeable about bike issues. It was, it's impossible to imagine a politician being more knowledgeable than he seemed to be. He appears, I mean, he appears knowledgeable. I mean, he was there for Ciclovia. He's got his photo taken when the first sheriffs were put in on, on uh, Fountain. But I'm not seeing action. And he, when he was the council member for the 13th district, I didn't see any action. There was nothing getting laid down. Like, a few sheriffs on Fountain at one time, that doesn't mean much, you know. I want to see him... I want to see him truly battle for bike infrastructure. And he had a couple of chances with the Spring Street bike lanes. And right now with the Hyperion Bridge, he has a chance to do something, and he's not doing anything. So I I, I don't have confidence right now. I want to see action. Do we end on that, though? <laughs> why don't we end on something? Catherine, why don't you send us off with something? <laughs> she always has something very beautiful and inspiring <laughs> well I was going to talk more about Bogota mm -hmm. and I was going to um, just mention that Bogota has a really amazing graffiti scene and street art scene and um, one of the coolest you know unique experiences 
for me that we had in Bogota was um, the opportunity to meet up with some local street artists and um, actually see how how they work and go to their studio, um, talk to them about their inspiration, and um, actually tour the city looking at the different street art. Um, it's, it's not illegal there. Um, it, it's sort of in a... The city hasn't decided what to do about street art, so um, it's not really explicitly legal, but it's not illegal. So um, people are able to actually spend time on the streets putting up elaborate pieces. So you end up with some beautiful work. And um, as a result of meeting up with these local artists, um, they actually collaborated with Don, and, and they all did a piece together. And so that was pretty awesome. You, you were able to do that? Mm-hmm. That was really awesome. We got to hook up with, it was Cochino, and ah, I can't remember right now. I got a picture of it. <laughs> they we, we were able to buff out uh, a wall and uh, paint. It's been years, but it was really fun. It was really fun. Like murals and, and graffiti and what do you like I haven't I didn't know that yeah I don't really talk about it too much that was that was the work that we did yeah so I did that um Cochino did this this one did you do the yellow and yeah yeah years ago uh that's one of the activities that I used to enjoy in LA and uh it was it was a privilege to be able to paint with some really great artists in Bogota. So how about an art ride here? I was thinking of a cachet ride. Oh, I mean, if you want to do a ride on cachet, you'll ride all over the city. That guy's got murals. Cachet and I-1 um, from the SH crew are some of the most prolific. Uh, I, you know, the, the art is not legal, a lot of what they're doing, but it's... Um, it's a beautification, like those those murals on Sunset over by uh, Coronado are absolutely beautiful. They're not legal, but they turned a wall that was just a boring, you know, uh, a retainer wall into a beautiful work of art, and the city accepts it, and the neighborhood accepts it, and it beautifies the neighborhood, and they do that kind of work all over Los Angeles. I, I love when I, I'm riding my bike and I just happen to catch a cache mural out of the corner of my eye and I see it and I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. That's, you know, that's Bike LA and that's graffiti. You know, that's true LA graffiti right there. And um, it's just great to see their work wherever you go. It's, it's like a treasure hunt. I, I would like to organize one, but I don't think I... It's interesting. I mean, they the Bogota bike tours did a graffiti ride, and actually, while we were painting, their bike tour came up onto our our painting session, and uh, that was actually really cool. It kind of gave me the idea of like maybe maybe organizing something like that here, even as a as a way of of uh, making a living in, in some ways, you know. Tourists from around the world 
would love to come out here and I mean just the way we love to go to Bogota and see all their work it'd be great to have a, a tour here in LA Maybe one more cool thing that we uh, take uh, from Bogota. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna take that. Seclovia. <laughs> we'll take Seclovia and we'll take a graffiti bike tour. <laughs> There's a word for that, isn't there? Some kind of a like a Marxist word for when you take. Oh, is there? <laughs> that was a really good uh, positive ending point. All right, good. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for uh, giving us a chance. Is this a bike talk piece? Yeah. What else would it it be? Well, it could be... um, What was that show that we were doing with with the Libertarian? Uh, What was it called? Beyond Consensus? Beyond Consensus. Yeah, but that would involve us being on opposite sides of of an issue. Well, we weren't on that.